and welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, where games-based training is the future, and where understanding and nurturing our naughty but nice dogs takes center stage. Today, we'll be diving into creative and transformative ways to connect with these special dogs with pro dog trainer Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hello. And I'm so super excited to be here because naughty but nice dogs are my absolute passion. Um, I've got five hacks to share with you guys so that you can get even more out of your training and get the very best out of your naughty but nice dogs. That's amazing, Michelle. So before we dive in too deeply, can you just, um, for those that are listening that may not know, can you dive into what a naughty but nice dog is? Absolutely. So typically, a naughty but nice dog is a dog that reacts to other dogs and reacts in a negative way. So lunging, barking, pulling on lead, jumping all over people, growling to the extreme of even dogs that bite. But a lot of owners don't realize that actually their dogs have naughty but nice qualities. I have naughty but nice dogs and their naughty but nice qualities are counter surfing. Given a chance, they would help themselves to my dinner. And we call those naughty but nice dogs as well. So it's not just the dog that you see on the street that's misbehaving and lunging and pulling its owner. But I would say that every dog has a little naughty but nice in them. And that's what I love about dog training. So how did you come to specialize in naughty but nice dogs? And what about them resonates with you? Um, I, my I had a Jack Russell Terrier, Um, and I know we've done a podcast previously about him and and Jasper's story, and he really lit my fire for helping owners because I can really empathize with people being embarrassed to take their dogs out. Um, He was larger than life, and his naughty but nice qualities were um, barking at other dogs. Man alive, he was loud, Uh, barking at visitors, barking in the garden, growling at things, Um, really quite um, a handful, to be honest. And I used to feel embarrassed if I took him out sometimes. And I learned about ways of training that were positive that could help him. And that led me into teaching other dog owners and helping other dog owners. And now I'm absolutely passionate. The more owners I see, the more I want to help. And not every dog is lost. We want to show people that they can bring out the nice side of their dogs. They can have fun with their dogs. um, And there's amazing ways that they can do that with positive training. There is hope, right? So in terms of the uh, five top tips that you're bringing to us today, do you want to dive into the first one? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one that I've got for you is around how you give your dog their food and we call it ditch the bowl. So the way that I look at it is I've got all this amazing food that is good for my dog that they really enjoy that they like. And I want to make sure every piece of it has a purpose. So this isn't about not feeding your dog meals. This is about making sure that there's a positive association with that big bad world out there and we're going to do it through food. So ditching the bowl is, uh, can I um, scatter feed some kibble out in the garden? So when the neighbor's dog's barking, my dog's busy picking up pieces of food outside, doing a nice calm activity, getting their daily food allowance. Um, We play games with them. So can I get them to chase a bit of kibble and practice some recall with me? I do a lot of fitness with my dogs. So I'll use things. There's, uh, I feed a bit of raw. If you feed wet food as well, if you give your dog supplements, I'll put the raw into a squeezy tube and I can then deliver the food by squeezing it out. And I've got something that I can put in my pocket. I can take with me on a walk and I can use for recall. 
I can use it for loosely walking. I can use it for fitness. So ditch the bowl is about looking at how am I allocating that food? How am I giving it to my food, to my dog? And is there a purpose behind each and every piece that I'm giving them that's going to help bring out the best in them and bring out that really great side of them, that nice side of them? Perfect. And so just to touch base, because sometimes we hear this with digital, it's not about deprivation. It's all about abundance, right? Definitely. And it's about experience. So it's about making that food um, more than just something that you gobble up. So, uh, and I could talk for hours on this. We should do a podcast on just ditch the bowl. There's so much you can do with it. So um, teaching my dog confidence. So getting them going through cardboard boxes to find their food. And it's not about holding back the food. It's actually about delivering it. So it's a really great experience and your dogs have a lot of fun and there's enrichment and they're using their brains and their bodies. And we're also, when we're talking about naughty, but nice dogs, it's about there being lots and lots of positive experiences through food. Right. Because too often we don't actually acknowledge when our dog is being really good as often as we should. Right. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So when visitors come to the house, how about I give my dog a little bit of a scatter feed, maybe in a snuffle mat. They're busy having that. And uh, while my auntie Dot is having her cup of tea, my dog's busy having some of their food appropriately instead of trying to help my auntie Dot with her biscuit and her tea and jumping all over and trying to share. That's perhaps not appropriate. I think very relatable though. <laughs> to the yes. audience. Yes. Uh, perfect. So what is tip number two, Michelle? So my tip number two is about ditching the routine. Um, And I work, I'm a dog trainer, I teach lessons, I'm on a schedule. And what I find is that a lot of owners find that they have to walk their dogs at certain times of the day or do things with their dogs at certain times of the day. Um, That's all fine and dandy if every single day of your life, you're doing exactly the same thing. It's the weekend and you want to sleep in. Do you really want your dog waking you up at six o'clock in the morning for the 7am walk. No. (laughs) I'd like to fly in. Are you going on holiday? And everything is completely different when you go on holiday and your dog's used to having certain things happen at a certain time every day. It causes them stress because those things aren't happening. You're on holiday. They don't understand this at all. Why are we not on our 7am walk? I know you want to have a lion, but mum, it's 7am. Let's go. So ditching the routine is about making your dog more flexible, making them adaptable and them not expecting that at certain times of day or with certain events, there's a specific outcome that's going to happen. We want them to roll with it a bit more that when I pull up to my favorite spot to walk my dog, I don't have chaos in the car with a screaming, barking dog. If I ditch the routine and car rides become less of an event, and it's not only going in the car for just a walk, then my dog's much more chilled out, much more relaxed, and I've got a calmer, happier household. I'm more relaxed, and that just carries on throughout my dog's life. So I've got a dog that is overall less worried, less concerned, because they're not getting certain outcomes at certain times of the day. I love that. So for anyone that might be asking, um, is there any time where, there, where a routine is actually a good thing? Oh, brilliant question. And I bet our listeners probably do this already if they're a dog owner. Nighttime. You guys all smash it and nail it. Your nighttime routine is the type of routine we love. We call those rituals. 
So at night, mine is I have my jammies on, the dogs get let out for their last toilet break, they come into the house, they settle in their beds, they get a special nighttime cookie, and we all go to bed and everything is nice and calm and settled. Those are healthy, good things that we want to have happen. There's an expectation of calm. It's a non-event. We all are chilled out and relaxed. We want to build more of those in. And instead of calling them routines, kind of call them rituals. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. It sets our dogs up for success. It makes everyone feel good. Awesome. So in terms of, okay, so rituals, uh, just could you give another example of rituals just for, so we've got nighttime. Is there another ritual that um, someone could get to make sure that they emphasize with their dog to avoid any, I guess, uh, naughty behavior that could result in being too structured or too, or too, uh, too flexible maybe. Um, so, uh, a routine that you can create or a ritual that you can create, um, here in the UK, cause we may have listeners that are listening outside of the UK. Um, it, dogs travel with us in vehicles a lot. So what I want is my dogs to have a really positive association with the vehicle. It's a really comfy, it's a really safe place to be. And it's a non-event that when I stop the car and park it, um, whether that's me coming home, going to the food shopping, going to the vets, going out on a walk, that there's no expectation that anything's going to happen. And in fact, um, I'll let you guys in on a little secret. When I pull into work, I'm so good at having a positive ritual with my vehicle. I sometimes have to check I put the dogs in the car. So they are so quiet and so relaxed and so chilled that I don't even know that they're there when I park which is absolutely amazing and brilliant because when I do decide to go on a walk and I open the boot and I get the leads out, they all stretch and yawn. They hop out of the car and our walk starts out being absolutely amazing. I don't have these dogs barking and screaming while I'm trying to get the leads out. I'm trying to get the food and my poo bags, change my shoes into my hiking shoes. By the time I've actually let them out of the car, I've got little raving lunatics at the end of the leads because they are so simply excited to be in this big, bad world. And it's amazing. We're going on a walk that I can pretty much guarantee you I'll have pulling for the first 10 minutes. I have dogs that are chilled and relaxed because they don't expect they're going on a walk because my ritual is different and they hop out and our walk starts out beautifully with loose lead walking. Right. So you start as you mean to go on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, because we're talking about walking, um, is there, do you have any tips and strategies in terms of um, ideal walks or even alternatives to walks if walks? are just not going well for someone that has a not even nice dog. So this is my third hack. Um, and when I'm teaching students, I do get raised eyebrows and looks of, are you serious? When I say this, ditching the walk and people are absolutely shocked. And I was at first myself. So when I got Jasper as a puppy, so I picked him out of the litter at eight weeks old. One of the deals I made with his breeder was he would get walked twice a day. Um, and uh, he didn't used to get walked twice a day. I found other things to do with him. The reason being, and we're not saying that we don't want you to do things with your dog. We do. But I know a lot of naughty but nice owners that I deal with, walks are not enjoyable. They don't enjoy going out on a walk with their dog. Their dogs are reactive to people. They're reactive to um, dogs. Or uh, we had recently a dog that was absolutely scared to death of traffic. So would plant himself on the ground every time a car went by. And when you live in the city, 
that can be a challenge. So they're trying to walk at four o'clock in the morning to minimize the effects of traffic. Well, when we gave them permission not to walk their dog, it was like a weight was lifted off their shoulders. And they asked a really good question. Okay, great. You're giving us permission not to walk our dog. What are we supposed to do? So what do we do instead? And we've got so many things that you can do with your dog. Um, So think going to the gym instead of going out running. So a lot of people who exercise, exercise in their living room. I do. I do yoga and I log on to my TV and I get YouTube up and I do my yoga workout in my living room. Let's do the same thing with the dogs. So that dog that's scared of traffic, the owner that is just frustrated because walks aren't enjoyable and they've got a sore shoulder because they're just getting dragged around the neighborhood. Why are you doing it? It's not fun. Let's stay in the house, stay in the garden. Let's do lots of enrichment with our dog. um, And let's do some things that and build some skills in the meantime that allow walks to be enjoyable again. Um, And we're not saying with every dog, you don't need to take them out. So find places that you can go instead that are positive and that are good spaces to be. So let's say for the dog that's scared of traffic, I know where I live, there's a couple of car parks that would be absolutely brilliant to go to that are really quiet in the evenings. So we suggested to this owner to look about where they're living, go and have a, have a walk, play some games, do some exercise in the car park instead. So get the dogs out and start getting them seeing going out as being positive in a really safe environment that your dog enjoys. And then gradually over time, you can start reintroducing the walk as you've built positive uh, experiences with your dog and you've played games. So let's say you've got a dog that pulls on lead and drags the owner around the neighborhood. We would be encouraging them to work on skills that help create loose lead walking in the comfort of their garden in their living room, in their hallway. And then you gradually start taking those out of the garden onto the street. You go to car parks, you play the games, build the skills that help with loose lead walking in your car park or in a car park. And then you gradually start creeping in little mini walks. And if at any point it's not going the way that you want it to, you take it a step back, you take your games back into the car park, and then you start going back out on your walk again. It's really powerful. It's giving people permission to ditch the walk for a while while they build their skills is life-changing. Yeah. And so um, what would a relationship between a dog and owner look like if they ditch the walk because of struggles with walks? Oh, you build it back up. If the owner's not enjoying the walk, they're probably not enjoying their dog. And they're probably feeling really guilty about that. Um, A lot of dog owners get dogs so that they can go out and exercise. And we want to help them with that. But in order to get to that point, we've got to help the dog see going out for a walk is not being a scary thing. It's a positive thing. And we've got to build those skills. And as long as they're rehearsing those bad feelings and those negative feelings on a daily basis, it's hard to convince them and change their mind that it's anything other than a bad experience. So let's rebuild that relationship with the owner and the dog. Let's get them having fun. Let's get them enjoying it and having a positive experience. And then let's reintroduce the walks gradually, thoughtfully, and through games and through positive reinforcement. And then before long, we've got owners and dogs with smiles on their faces and neighbors going, wow, is that your dog? The one that used to drag you down the street. (laughs) Exactly. And I love that. That makes my day. So Michelle, we've talked about uh, ditch the bowl. We've talked about ditch the routine. And now we've talked about ditch the walk. 
What is your next top tip for naughty but nice dog owners? So this one is um, what I would say played a massive part in transforming Jasper, my Jack Russell. And I developed a passion for um, a specific area of dog training, and that's search work. I've never done formal search work. I've never competed. I've not done search and rescue, but I absolutely love teaching search work for naughty but nice dogs. And the, one of the first things I taught Jasper to do as a little naughty but nice Jack Russell was to search for my car keys. And it's really practical. I always have my car keys with me. It really changed him. He loved it. Little tail would wag. He'd go off and he'd find my car keys. And when you're ditching the walk, reintroducing walks back into his world through searching for my car keys got him using his nose instead of his eyes. So instead of him scanning the environment and looking for things to bark at, we started getting him to sniff with a purpose and not sniffing to hunt out critters because that would have been the best day ever. But let's get you using your nose to sniff out my car keys. And it allowed me to also build in a positive experience for him. So searching, um, the act of using their nose, it uses 41% of their brain. And the act of searching releases dopamine, which is a happy hormone. So it's a feel-good hormone. It helps your dog feel much more optimistic, feel good about themselves, and it's really enjoyable. And it's also, it's really tiring for them because of all the brain work that they're doing. So it's a bit like doing a Sudoku puzzle. So they go out, they use their nose, they find your car keys. And I could guarantee you if I had a really busy, busy day, um, and I do this with the dogs I've got currently, if I've got a really busy day, I get my most bang for my buck by getting them to do a few searches. So three searches for my car keys, I've got snoozing pups. It's amazing. It's really, really good. I absolutely love it. So Michelle, is it is it difficult to get started in search work and how could someone get started if they were interested in doing that? Um, there's lots of courses on it and there's many different ways that you can do it, but really quick way to do, to get started with teaching a dog to actually use the nose is get them searching for their food. So hide their food in different places around the house, give them challenges. So maybe putting it in some cardboard boxes, um, tucking it under the leg of a bookshelf or something and get them hunting out that food. Um, then you can quite quickly, there's formal ways that you can teach it. You can shape a scent article so you can shape them having value for the keys, but you could also just hide the keys with food on them and they find the food and they pair it with the keys and then you gradually fade the food away. And when they find the keys, you deliver the food. Now that's a quick shortcut into doing search work. There's lots of different courses out there. You can get quite formal in to it. But that is a nice, really quick way to teach a dog to search for a specific article. Awesome. Amazing. And let's dive into tip number five. So tip number five um, is about celebrating success. So we are, as humans, wired to have a negative bias. And we tend to go on a walk with our dogs. And we might have had nine positive passings of other dogs on the street our dog doesn't react. It's all really good. And then the 10th dog that we go past, our dog absolutely loses the plot and is lunging and barking. And we're having to scoot them away, get them around the corner. And what we remember of the walk is that one bad experience, not the nine good ones. So this is about celebrating the successes, because if all you're remembering is that one bad experience and you're not acknowledging the nine positive that you had, 
then that's not good for your relationship with your dog. And it's not good for you as a dog owner and how you feel about owning a dog. So my final fifth hack is write down those wins, celebrate them and acknowledge when it goes well. Because sometimes, especially when you're doing things like ditching the walk, it's hard to see the progress. And this takes time. You're reprogramming your dog's brain so they respond differently to the environment. It's a process. It takes time. So acknowledge those wins, write them down. And when you have a blip, when you have your dog lunge and bark at another dog, pull those little wins out, look at them, give yourself a big pat on the back because you are an amazing dog owner and acknowledge the great things that you're doing already and all those wins that you've had. And then your next walk isn't going to seem so daunting. You're going to be thinking about the good, not that one dog. Now, does a win have to be a 100% obvious win or are there wins that are a little bit more subtle? Um, Yeah, lots of subtle wins. So um, we talked about ditch the bowl at the beginning. So putting down wins like that, that I ditched the bowl today. I ditched my entire entire food for my dog they earned that's an amazing win that's building the relationship sometimes we do have to look for the wins they are always there they're always there there's always something positive there's always something to acknowledge um in fact i had earlier um a lovely student of mine right before i came on and joined this podcast it seems like a small thing she sent me a picture of her dog sleeping that's a massive win. Her dog settled and relaxed while she was listening um, to an online course that we were going through. That's a super win. Really simple thing. Dog sleeping, massive win for her. All of that is absolutely amazing, Michelle. To wrap up, now that we've had our five top tips, what advice would you give to someone that may be listening to this podcast? They've just realized they have a naughty but nice dog and they may be feeling a little overwhelmed. Pick one thing. Each day, pick one thing that you're going to change and put in place. Don't try and tackle it all at once. So it could be that you're going to pick ditch the bowl and you're going to have a look at that. You're going to have a look at how your dog's daily food allowance is allocated out. The next day, look at something else you can change and put in place. So pick one thing, make one change each day. And before long, you've gained some momentum and your dog is starting to transform and you're starting to see the nicer side of your dog. Um, my, my parting advice is remember that you're the best dog owner for your dog. You are listening to this podcast. You're doing everything you can to help your dog. And don't forget how amazing you are and how amazing your dog is. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, where games-based training isn't just the future. It's the pathway to celebrating every win, big or small, with our naughty but nice dogs. We hope you enjoyed this amazing episode featuring pro dog trainer and game changer, Michelle. Stay game focused and remember to celebrate the journey, not just the destination.